After creating a startup in 2007 that we sold to PayPal, and I joined wow. PayPal, and as I told you, the tech for Libra was very strong. And what really shocked me was that Polkadot offers the two things. How do you square up the importance of decentralization with centralized organizations? Do you feel like Web3 Foundation and Parity will be around for a long time? The lock team wishes you good luck and Godspeed. <laughs> Space Monkeys blasting off with Bertrand Perez. He's the CEO of the Web3 Foundation. It's really nice that he sat down with us today. Sir, welcome to Space Monkeys. Thank you for having me, Jay. The pleasure. Very, very nice to meet you, sir. Web3 Foundation, Parity, Polkadot, these three concepts can be a little opaque to people outside the ecosystem, but even inside as well. Uh, how do you describe what the Web3 Foundation is to the people in your life and, and what you, you do for work. So the, the Web3 Foundation is in charge of basically three, uh, I would say four, to, four main topics. Uh, the first one, if I take it by historical order, the first one is the Web3 Foundation is the issuer of the DOT token. So potentially right. the, the, the token has been uh, issued and uh, Web3 Foundation is responsible from a re regulatory perspective mm -hmm. uh, uh, when it comes to the, the token, uh, and we'll speak about it later. And I know that you've been talking with uh, Angie and Josh about the, the regulatory topics, that, and it was a great interview. So that's, I would say, the first responsibility is make sure we are responsible for whatever is happening to the token from the regulatory perspective. The second responsibility is research. So we have a strong team of uh, researchers. Mm. So they are uh, experienced uh, uh, PhD uh, researchers uh, doing research. So the hardcore research that you need to back a strong, robust and scalable and secure blockchain. So whether it's research in crypto, uh, cryptography, in networking protocols, uh, quantum resistance, all those hardcore research topics. Sure. Uh, are covered by that team. All the results of the research is published openly, so it's open source. Any other projects can benefit of the research, right? And we are using it for Polkadot. But what we want to make sure is that any development that is done on Polkadot is backed by strong science. It's not just a bunch of hacks of code here and there, but it's backed by hardcore science. So we yeah. know it's going to scale, it's the most secure and so on. So that's the research uh, responsibility. Then we are running a grants program. So uh, we, over the, uh, the course of the last three years, mm. we have um, given something around $10 million worth of grants to teams willing to join the ecosystem, willing to develop applications in the, in the ecosystem, but not having enough financial resources to recruit those two engineers for six months to be able to develop either a proof of concept or uh, a V0.1 of their application. So they come to us, they submit their, their project. We do KYC to make sure they are legit and so on. Yeah. Of course, we don't want to, to, to get any, any legal or regulatory trouble. And we do an evaluation of the project. And we, if we evaluate that the project is innovative, brings value to the, the ecosystem, then we define with them milestones. They would deliver their code in different tranches mm -hmm. in open source. So we can review that and make sure that they delivered what they promised to deliver, and then we can unlock the payment. So we, we are not acting as a VC, so we don't give more than $40,000 uh, worth of grants, right? But 
we try to spark that innovation, to bootstrap those teams so that they can reach the next level and then go and look for more traditional ways of financing through VCs or, or other, other, other ways. Sure. And the last part is what we call technical education. So basically, if we mm. want to help the ecosystem to grow, we need to make sure that when developers come to us, they find solid and strong knowledge bases for them to learn what they need to learn to mm -hmm. build and develop strong, efficient applications on top of Polkadot. So we are publishing tons of contents, uh, tons of knowledge, ranging from basic blockchain knowledge up to very advanced cryptographical development uh, for blockchain. Right. So in that. Uh, in that uh, wide range of knowledges through all, all kinds of channels, whether it's YouTube channels, MOOCs, partnerships with platforms like edX and so on, we are trying to maximize the output of knowledge to the to the community so that th when they come to the, the space, they know that they have a one-stop shop where to go wow. to grab the knowledge that they need, need to go further. And one of the things that we are also pushing is what we call the Polkadot Blockchain Academy, which is also an effort to bring knowledge to the community and accelerate the learning curve for developers so that they can be efficient in, in a matter of five weeks. So it's a, an intensive training that lasts for five weeks. The last yeah. one happened a few months ago in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. And Gavin Wood is participating, so he's also part of the of the of the, the, the different professors helping uh, those developers and transmitting to them the knowledge that they need so that by the end of those five weeks, yep. they're ready and they're efficient. And also they have a job because basically whether it's parity or other teams from the ecosystem, they come and they offer jobs to those developers so that they can instantly apply all the skills and knowledge that, that, that they've been working on for the five weeks during the academy into real projects for the for the ecosystem. So all that is what we basically the, the Web3 Foundation is trying to help with yep. and is responsible for. It's a vast number of responsibilities. What's the, the structure of the Web3 Foundation look like? You're the CEO, but who do you have working with you to, to bring about all these results. Yeah, so we're structured basically uh, as many organizations. Legal is an important component. As I told you, we sure. have regulatory responsibility when it comes to discussion with the SEC and other regulators. So uh, we have a strong chief legal officer who comes from Google, uh, Switzerland. So he's in charge of uh, all, all topics around I would say day-to-day -day, uh, corporate uh, legal uh, aspects, but also all the regulatory components. Right. And finance is important. We have a set of financial assets that we use in order to help the, 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 um, the ecosystem to grow. And we need to make sure that we are using, uh, doing a wise use of our financial assets. And also we want to make sure that, uh, especially in, in uh, times like the, the ones that we are facing right now, mm -hmm. uh, the foundation needs to be strong from the financial perspective so that we know that we can last for years and years, regardless of the market conditions and regardless of the, of the price of the tokens, right. because we have solid financials and, sure. and solid assets that are helping us uh, provide the uh, financial ammunition that we need to deliver on, on Gavin's vision and to deliver on Polkadot's vision that is very broad. So finance is important. And also uh, the, um, the other part is technological, technical part in terms of uh, leading the researchers and, and yep. having strong, uh, strong uh, people, uh, team members there. So uh, the, 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 the research lead is a, is a very strong person in the space and, and they are 
for example, responsible for the, the re all the research that has been done around the consensus algorithm that is uh, used by Polkadot, mm -hmm. uh, the new governance model uh, that we are pushing, that we call GovV2, yep. comes from the, those heads. Uh, they have been scratching their heads on the on the theoretical aspects sure. of governance, all the tokenomics, for example, around the Polkadot tokenomics, and all the the, the I would say the uh, auction system mm -hmm. uh, and the candle auction uh, for right. the crowd loans and the, and the, the bid to the for, for the parachains all those parts of the system that are key and important they all come from those researchers who have been working hard defining the theoretical models and making sure that they were sound and and and, and well defined yeah, before, okay. before before a single line of code was written so a lot of the design of polka dot comes from this hardcore research you guys are doing a big part of it yes absolutely but as far as executing on the building of it i, I don't think we touched it yet um that's parity's role right yes so what's the relationship between web3 and parity in that way so Parity is an independent company from uh, from Web3 Foundation, yep. uh, and Parity is doing a big part of the development. Polkadot is an open source system, so anyone can participate, and we are seeing some other teams participating. But obviously, Parity is, is one of, of the of the participants in the in the in the development uh, yep. of Polkadot. So uh, they. All, as I said, all the publication from the researchers on our side are open source and public. So the teams from Parity are using those publications to then implement whatever function they want to implement and submit that, that implementation because don't forget one thing that is key and important with Polkadot and it makes it different from others is that any new release of the system is not I decide to develop a feature and then it goes live. Sure. Features are developed, they're proposed to the community, and all that, that goes through a governance vote for the whole community to accept that new release, for that release to be live uh, on the system. So there's really uh, a, 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 the whole ecosystem participating and approving or not approving uh, releases, whatever the team uh, that has developed those releases. And the link with Parity is basically they are providing uh, uh, some uh, significant work in, in development. Yep. Uh, and, and we are having uh, also a, a, a relation with them for, uh, they are doing also some business development on their side, like other teams are doing, uh, if I take an example, Astar is another important team in the ecosystem, and they are, yeah. right now they announce important partnership that they have done in Japan with uh, Toyota and, and Sony. And this is great because we are really starting to see all those uh, parachain companies, yeah. right, or parachain teams, call it the way you want, or, or parachain organizations, who are starting to, within their own specific verticals, whether it's distributed identity whether, and or any other of the verticals that they cover, to mm -hmm. go for and find partners, find customers, uh, so that they can offer their services in a completely independent way. Totally. Uh, getting all the benefits of the Polkadot operating system yeah. and the value that they are bringing in terms of new uh, applications that they develop. It's thrilling to see it all coming together like this. Um, and I want to dig into those four pillars that you spoke about earlier, but I just want to pull back for a second because this is not your first rodeo. This is not your first role in a crypto project or a blockchain-based project. I think our audience would be really curious to know about where you were 
before you joined the Web3 Foundation? Not going back to the dino dinosaurs era because I'm sure. an old one, but, <laughs> but initially I graduated as a software engineer okay, uh, 30, okay. 32 years ago. Wow. So I'm a, I'm a, tech, a tech guy and I, I spent the, the 15 first years of my career doing a hardcore C, C++ development in for telecom systems. Amazing. And then I moved more into the management side of, of things and I've been able, moving between startups and corporates. And uh, I would say just if we now come back closer to where we are now, yeah. uh, after creating a, a startup uh, in 2007 that we sold to PayPal in 2011, I joined wow. PayPal and then uh, that was the, the, my first big Web 2.0 experience where I was leading engineering teams and uh, had a great time over there uh, mm. because there's a, there are great technologists in that company because tech is key for that kind of company. Sure, so, sure. Uh, and, and this is where I discovered blockchain. So in 2013, uh, I discovered Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So initially as an investment, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as I'm a geek and a techie, I started to dig into the tech. And this is when I really saw the, the, the power of the blockchain technology. And what I, did it make you see? I was at that time working and leading teams in the payment space. Yeah. And clearly, blockchain is bringing a lot of solutions for big problems that we are having in payments. Yeah. Like, it brings instant settlements. Right now, when some of the infrastructure I was running were in charge of set settling between transactions between banks, you need to understand that even right now, 2023, yeah. those settlements are FTP transfers that occurs during night, uh -huh. not during the weekends. So those FTP transfers, they transfer CSV, comma-separated variable files, text wow. files, no way. of close to millions of lines uh -huh. through FTP between the different entities and the banks. So it's just, you have inefficiencies everywhere. Right? It's like how and I if the FTP homework. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. If the FTP server is down, you don't settle. Wow. If, if, if there's a wrong uh, parameter or wrong comma somewhere in the file, sure. the settlement uh, is not confirmed. And you can la have like a billion dollars worth of transactions that is pending just because there's a comma somewhere in a file yeah. and that's going to last for a couple of days or maybe more if that happened on Friday, sure. then uh, you will uh, investigate the issue on the Monday. Okay. Hopefully you find the issue on Monday, yeah. you fix it on Monday and then you resend or resubmit uh, on, on the Monday evening and then maybe on the Tuesday the settlement is done. Mm -hmm. So this is just an example. There are tons like that. So, but And these kind of issues with, uh, with the blockchain system, yeah. you solve it and you have instant settlement. So. When I was basically going through the, 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 the learning of blockchain, and I was on the other side of my brain, having the knowledge of all those kind of issues that we were facing yeah. on a daily basis in the payment space, mm -hmm. that clicked together. Sure. So obviously the, the, the financial slash payment use case was clear to me. And I started to try to evangelize internally for, uh, for us to, to do more on that. How was that received? Say not not well. Okay, but you can understand that you don't sure. want to you don't want to cannibalize uh, uh, your your existing business at that stage. So maybe mm -hmm. and and we launched some prototypes. Some prototypes were done, but just to in order to try the tech, but nothing uh, external facing. I would say. 
And then at that moment, I said, okay, my next professional journey, I want it to be in blockchain. Okay. And basically, that's what happened in the end of 2018 when my friends, some of my friends at Facebook contacted me and said, well, we know you, you, you're interested in into this. Mm -hmm. We're going to launch that. We need someone to lead what, what is going to become the Libra Association. Right. It's going to be in Switzerland. Are you interested? Yeah. And I say, well, <laughs> it was clicking everything. It was clicking from the tech perspective, yep. blockchain space, Web3 space. Sure. Uh, a wonderful tech because the team at Facebook has been, is one of the, was one of the best uh, in, in the area. So, so the, 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 the platform that they developed was very strong and very good. Yep. Uh, potential scale was also interesting, right? So of course. this is how I joined Libra at that sure. moment to, yeah. with, the, with the mandate of creating the association. So it was not a foundation, it was an association mm. outside of Facebook. Mm. Uh, the contribution of Facebook was they, was they were basically giving all the code that was developed as open source Right, so it was one of the first time that Facebook was doing. Now they do a lot of open source, but at that time, such a piece of code that a lot of engineers. So it was a huge investment for Facebook, and they decided to give that op completely open source. Right, and with the mandate of bringing together not only Facebook but 26 other organizations like Spotify, Uber, uh, Checkout.com. Uh, Mercado Pagos uh, from Argentina. So diverse organizations, most of them in the Web2 space from diverse geographies, the US, South yep. America, Europe, etc. Mm -hmm. Bring all that together to create that, that association that, was, that would be responsible for running uh, basically the payment system that Libra was supposed to be and and to do that uh, Libra was a plan to be a stable coin. Right, Lib Libra was going to knock down all the walls that surround borders and jurisdictions but also kind of raise all of those safety precautions and profit generating opportunities of transferring funds across borders. Um, I know Libra had a lot of difficulties um, pretty quickly after it launched. Um, what can you tell us about introducing this amazing, uh, world-changing concept to the established governance and, and jurisdictions around the world? So first of all, what I want to say, and it's, it's, it's a credit to all the wonderful team that was working there with me. Yeah. It's the vision that we were all having and the reason why we joined was really that vision of democratizing payments and financial inclusion mm -hmm. for real yeah and at scale right right uh, so that was the vision that we all had and that was basically what we wanted to achieve is in our 21st century how can you justify that if you take the remittance use case international remittance which is 700 billion dollars worth every year wow on average, 7% of that is taken by fees. And that's just an average. Depending on some of the corridors you're, use, you're using, yeah. it, it can go up to 25%, right? So you're taking, let's say 7%, 7% out of the poorest people in the world, yeah. right? Just for the sake of transferring money. Yeah. Where today you can send a video to your friend at the other, on the other side of the world, 100 kilobytes of data for free and it's instant. But when it comes to money, it's not free, right. it's not instant, mm -hmm. there are four or five days of delay, how can you explain that? Mm -hmm. And you're sending much, much less data than what is in the video of uh, your cats or whatever that you're sending to your friends. Right? Right. So the vision was this one. 
Obviously, due to the godfather that we were having and the set of partners, the potential scale uh, made a few a bunch of people freak out. Yeah, I can confirm <laughs> sure. that. Yeah, <laughs> and we had to face some. Uh, let's say severe headwind uh -huh. uh, from uh, regulators and, yeah. and other uh, organizations, regardless of that. And then we had to basically um, face down the project and sell the assets to uh, Silvergate, mm -hmm. now, now famous, yeah. so to yeah. Silvergate. But it, it's not, they didn't fail because of the sale of no, yeah, of the, course. But uh, <laughs> so we had to sell the assets. However, what I would say is that I really feel that thanks to Libra, the whole industry has gained at least five years because Libra helped uh, the awakeness of regulators and governments around the world of the power and the potential of yeah. Web3 mm. and that they had to do something. They had to do proper regulatory frameworks. Uh, for, for the financial aspects of crypto, but Web3 is much more than just the the, crypt, the, the payment or financial use cases. It's everything, right? Yeah, so you yeah. can have all, all kinds of use cases. Yeah. And I feel that thanks to, if Libra didn't happen, exist, mm -hmm. uh, we would still be in the same situation where we were uh, before Libra, mm -hmm. where majority of the regulators doesn't don't really paying attention to crypto or Web3, because from their perspective at that time, it was just a bunch of Cyberpunks, sure. uh, a few of them using Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a few other tokens there and there. Yeah, yeah. No scale, no potential, no threat, nothing. So no need to regulate, no need to nothing. Right. And what I can tell the community is that I know that within the community, a lot of people are in the position of being against regulation. And well, this would be in an ideal world. In our world, we mm. need regulation. Yeah. But we need the good regulation. So we need the good level of regulation that stops the bad, the bad use cases yep. and, and keeps the, the bad guys out of the game mm -hmm. while allowing innovation and the, and the thousands and millions of use cases that Web3 technology can bring and all the upside, all the value that this can generate for society. Right. We're seeing that happening in Europe, for example, where in Paris and in Europe, there's this new regulation called MICA, which is a result of Libra and who starts to define well and, and sound frameworks for, uh, for crypto assets. Right. Before that, Switzerland was the very first country to have a clear framework, yeah. clear rules. So this is why we put Libra over there. And this is why you see us, Web3 Foundation, and the majority of the foundations for, from the crypto world being based in Switzerland, because mm -hmm. there are clear frameworks to be able to operate and have that level of, of, uh, of uh, confidence that you can execute and, and if you execute within the framework you will not receive a red tape or a bad news in sure. a couple of months from now right? yeah, yeah and that's important that's a fascinating uh, origin story and one more thing about libra is in that video example that's peer to server to peer but libra was supposed to be real real deal peer-to-peer -peer payments right yeah absolutely right yeah it, it was basically uh, the goal was to cover all the use cases that the stable coin can cover yeah right, right. so we moved from libra to dm uh, it was not just an, right. a, cha a name change it mm -hmm. was also changing the structure of the stable coin but in the uh, all the time it was a stable coin mm -hmm. backed by a strong reserve and we now in light of what happened with terra and so on we 
people understand better what is a real strong one one reserve sure versus algorithmic and i would say more uh, funky uh, kind of stable coins right yeah. so the reserve was sound the reserve was backed one to one mm -hmm. the difference was that in the in the in the v1 so libra yeah what was backing the stablecoin was a basket of currencies. Ah. So it was a basket made of US dollar, uh, Euro, uh, British pound, uh, Japanese uh, yen. Okay. Right? So yeah. it was a basket. Mm -hmm. And then in the, we evolved from that into dedicated stablecoins. So one, li, one, one DM dollar yep. backed by US dollar. Right. And then afterwards, we were, the plan was to have a DM Euro yep. and so on. Right? Okay. So the vision was always the same, a stablecoin, and cover all the use cases that and, and that stablecoin can unleash, yeah. whether it's peer-to-peer -peer or more B2B uh, use cases. Right. In an open manner. Yeah. The code, again, the code was open source. Everyone could audit the code, right? Mm -hmm. The network was operated by, uh, by the members of the association, the 27 members, well-reputable companies, having strong infrastructures when it comes to security, cybersecurity, and so on, sure. to make sure that the, the nodes uh, were safe, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that was basically it. Incredible. Okay, so uh, when did you join the Web3 Foundation? I joined in September 2021, okay. a year and a half ago now. What, what was that journey like? The first thing is I was really uh, mind-blowing mind for me to see the tech. Yeah, tell me about that. Because as I told you, the tech for Libra was very strong. Yeah. Really, the team was very strong and did a very good job at developing the, the blockchain. Sure. And when I first started to engage, I, I wanted to, to look at the tech because, again, as a technician, that was important for me to make sure that the, the, the tech was sound and solid. And really, when I started to dig into it and see the potential of uh, Polkadot, at that moment, I had this comparison that I'm still using today. All the other chains, smart contract based and so on, look like to me like Excel macros. <laughs> right. Where Polkadot was real mm. Java or .NET C++ development, right? Uh, yeah. So I have nothing against Excel macros, right? There's stuff that you can do with Excel macros. Sure. But you cannot build SpaceX or develop all the code that runs on a Tesla using Excel macros. You need real code, right? Yeah, yeah. And what, the, and what really uh, um, shocked me was that Polkadot offers the two things. Mm -hmm. You can basically assemble Lego pieces, mm -hmm. pick a consensus algorithm, you pick another brick there and there, and you assemble your Lego and you have your blockchain. Or you can do everything on your side because the platform provides you the proper APIs and endpoints mm -hmm. that you need for you to be able to develop very deeply whatever you need. And yeah. for example, if you want to develop a blockchain for supply chain management in the, in, in the space of uh, logistics, so you have, uh, we're talking with companies who are uh, leaders in the world shipping containers across the world and they're shipping millions of containers uh, on, a, on a yearly basis. Yeah. The application you need to develop, right, requires really deep customization to your needs. Sure. You cannot do that with uh, a, a, a smart contract language. You cannot do that with ex, uh, Excel macros, right? Mm -hmm. And Polkadot offers you all the space and all the, the, the features for you to focus 
on the logic of your uh, of your application without mm -hmm. taking care of the security and the underlying infrastructure. Yeah. Polkadot deals with that. You just focus on your work and, and your business, right? Mm -hmm. In a very deep and very uh, and very specific uh, way, yep. right? While Polkadot takes care of, of everything else and running that. So that was really, the first thing was the tech at that moment, realization, and then I had the, uh, the, the opportunity to meet with Gavin. I mean, Gavin is really a, someone that I respect a lot, I admire a lot, and clearly his vision just finished to, to sell me the, the offer. Right. Governance V2 is clearly something that is uh, unique, I would say. No yeah. other chain is offering a governance at such level and delivering on Gav's vision in terms of full decentralization, yeah. removing any central entity to, that has a, a, an impact on the governance and basically giving back the, uh, the the power to the token owners, uh, which is really what we are all expecting from Web3 and this decentralized uh, world. I know that you're, you've been talking about how the rest of the world is really far ahead of the United States, yet the United States and fitting into that regulatory environment has been important. Um, what's that journey been like from your point of view and what do you see ahead given all these notices? Josh and NG has done, uh, have done a a good job at explaining exactly our journey with the SEC and, yeah. and why it is important and, and, and the approach that we took, which is basically to engage early, mm -hmm. engage at the white paper level, and then show every time we were moving forward and we were delivering on the execution of the white paper, show that we were doing what we said we were going to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that generates confidence also on their side. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing that slowly but surely as a trusted partner so that no okay those guys are not saying this they are also doing it yeah right so and that's important like any in any relation you need to build the trust and if you don't break that trust so and we we also from the, the perspectives of the marketing and pr uh strategies or or the way we were communicating we were also not being as aggressive as others uh, other projects have been and not right right so yeah. sometimes i know the community community was not happy and they were claiming that we were doing a bad job uh, at marketing or pr but now in hindsight i hope everyone sees the value of that is that yeah. well we're a different kind of animal that's right for the the regulator in this current space uh, it, it has a lot of value so yeah, yeah. but the work is not done. There's still a lot of work to be done. We need to continue to, to uh, the, the, the relationship and the interactions that we're having with the SEC. We're doing that with other regulators also elsewhere in the world. So that works. That work is a continuous one and there's a lot of, of work to, to be done there. Sure. Now we're seeing a lot of projects and, and exchanges and so on receiving red tape and, yeah. and, and receiving subpoenas and, and, and so on. It's sad because it's hurting, but also what I'm saying is that we as an industry need now to behave as, an, as adults. We need to understand that we are, we need to be careful or we need to think twice because we are under heavy scrutiny. So you, you need to be extra careful mm -hmm. in what you do. What mm -hmm. you, and, and also, I would say the good, if there's a good side to what happened over the last 12 months is that this has helped flush a lot of the bad projects, to be honest, because we know that in our space, not everyone is a good actor and not everyone deserves being there because yeah. they don't bring real utility to the customers. And at the end, we are here to provide utility. So 
I hope that uh, we will have this uh, dot-com uh, moment where in 2000 where the bubble exploded, yep. the bad actors went bust, uh -huh. and the ones who were there for the long term, we are the part of those ones. There are also other projects. I mean, we are not unique, but all, all the ones who really, uh, since inception, inception were having a real vision uh, of delivering on the, on the promise of decentralization of the real vision of web3 and providing utility and value for the for the, for the customers mm -hmm. will be able to thrive and i feel that yes it's a bit bumpy in the us in terms of regulation right now there's a, sometimes what uh, people call a regulation by enforcement mm -hmm. uh, i hope that will this will uh, end up uh, as soon as possible so that I feel U.S. is a, is a, a big land of innovation. Yeah. Uh, I don't see. I hope quickly there would be a way for uh, this uh, business to be to have clear uh, rules, well defined over there. Yeah. And uh, so that innovation doesn't exit from the U.S. to other parts. I don't think they will want that. Mm -hmm. But uh, time will tell. How do you square up the importance of decentralization with centralized organizations? trying to bring the vision of Polkadot about. Um, do you feel like Web3 Foundation and Parity will be around for a long time? Or is there this process, you spoke to it a little bit earlier, this process of decentralizing all aspects of Polkadot. How do we get there and how long does it take? How long, it's hard to say, but yes, the vision is for, the, for, for Polkadot to be a complete DAO. Right. And it has the power to be that. There's an on-chain treasury, right? Yeah. And now with governance v2, it's even more easier to make proposals and get funded. So that could be the, potentially, I don't like to use the word bank, but the financial system that uh, generates that, uh, that um, financial ammunition that we needed by projects, for projects to be able to develop, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 then there's uh, a diverse set of teams that we are starting to see in the ecosystem who are op operating completely in an autonomous manner, which is great. Yeah. So I think I think we'll will be will will be there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard to put a, honestly. It's hard to set a date. That'd be in three years, four years, five years. I think it would be in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, we are, we, we are focusing on that and, and delivering on that. And potentially, yes, uh, at that time, maybe the foundation will have a different structure. Maybe it will, it, it will be evolved to something, something else. Uh, but the goal is still this one, to have this uh, system, this blockchain, this DAO uh, that is uh, fully autonomous and, and that brings all the, that delivers on all the dimensions of the web vision. Yeah, this new governance model is a huge responsibility on token holders. And it hasn't been perfectly smooth. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of discourse around how to make it more efficient and how to not waste treasury funds. But uh, I was wondering what you would say to those who are trying to scale governance by creating centralized institutions and creating central points of authority. Well, what would you say to those people who are trying to in reintroduce centralization back into the system? I would say that it goes against the concept of decentralization. I mean, you cannot uh, be uh, decentralized uh, in name only, right? Right. Uh, so, so it goes with it. And of course, the more you decentralize, as you said, the more you give power to the token owners, yeah. and uh, the more, 
Spider-Man says, big powers comes with big accountabilities. So, so, yeah. so the two things go together, yeah. right? Uh, and, and yeah, you, you as a token owner, you need to be much more of an adult uh, in that model, right? Yeah. But isn't that what we want, mm -hmm. right? Give back power to the users and, and to people versus a set, a bunch of centralized uh, institutions, organizations, call the call them the way you want, sure. who are the ones in charge of the power mm -hmm. and, and, and taking that away from you. So. Right. You're right. We, we really are having that Spider-Man moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, the Web3 Foundation, you guys fund a lot of great projects, as you were alluding to in the beginning. What do you look for when teams come to you looking for some funding to kickstart an idea? So, number one is the quality of the team. Okay, the people. So, the people, mm -hmm. really. And I don't mean that only teams who have been already have, uh, having an impressive track record of development can come. No, it's not from that perspective. Oh. We talk to them and we we see, we, we like to see the motivation, why they are there, why they want to develop this, and also the skills that they have in terms of, because you need to build stuff. Yeah. So you need to have coders in front of you. You don't need to have people, marketers, and people coming and, and, and show you a, a couple of, uh, of slides, say, yeah. we want to do this, give us X, right? Uh -huh. So that's a, that would, that's that's a nozzle already, right? So the team, because we want to set them for success, we don't want to set them for failure, right? And also we are responsible of the wise use of the financial assets of the foundation, right? So there are lots of people who have potential and we don't want to waste money with people who don't deserve it. So number one is the team. Number two is we, if we already have 10 other projects doing the same kind of application, do we need an 11th one? Right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what that project is bringing to the ecosystem? What are the potential other synergies with existing projects? Is it complementing an existing one, which is great, right? Or is it something completely new that we don't have in the ecosystem yeah, yeah. and that will really disrupt and bring a, a new vertic type of vertical uh, of applications in the market? So it's that's also important uh, so that we can make sure that we don't want a million projects, we prefer to have much less, but who really bring value and who, who are really addressing real problems, right? Yeah. So so that, that's basically the, the, say the, the two main things. Mm -hmm. And of course, all the, we're doing all the KYC and all the legal stuff, so making sure that they are legit or all the, making sure that they are not under sanctions and all that kind of, but I would say it. Legalities that are important also because we don't want to put the foundation in any tricky situation from mm -hmm. that perspective. So maybe some advice for all of us token holders who are trying to take over this network, looking over the horizon. What's ahead that we want to avoid? What are some icebergs that we should be aware of? I think as as token holders, I think, and as we give more power to the on-chain treasury, we need to use wisely our the on-chain treasury. Make sure that when we are uh, asking for funding from the treasury, the justification of that ask yes. is real yeah. and, uh, and, and has a real impact, right? Because if not, then we will put the whole community uh, in, a, in a bad situation, right? Yeah. We don't want to see uh, this as a way to use uh, funds for uh, wrong, wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. I will leave it there. Right? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a huge challenge for us. Yes. Absolutely. And this is not the foundation responsibility. It's the question was for, for the uh, token, token holders. Yeah. It's, 
it's everyone's responsibility. Well, it was really nice of you to take some time and talking with us today. I think it provided a lot of context to what's going on and also very inspirational for us token holders to um, bring Polkadot to um, the full vision that Gavin set forth to us. So I um, just want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Jay. I really appreciate it.